I want to welcome everyone to CCV this weekend, especially if you're new with us, if this is your first time visiting. We're just honored you're here and would love to, to meet you. Um, to start today, I want to do something just a little bit different. I want to show you a map. This is um, a, each one of these red dots represents one of our 10 CCV locations across the valley. You may not know we had 10 locations, but our goal, our vision as a church is to reach the entire valley for Christ. And one way we want to do that is to put a CCV location within a 20-minute driving distance to every person in the valley. And so today, I'm happy to announce that we have two brand new CCV locations that we will be launching this year in 2021, and we, we couldn't be more excited for that. And the reason that we're launching these two campuses in the middle of a pandemic is because as a leader, I don't believe as a church we have the luxury of playing it safe. We can't play it safe. Because when you look at the world around you, when you see all the hurt and the pain and the division, to do nothing as a church, to kind of hold back, would be to assume that things are gonna get better just on their own. It doesn't happen that way. The only way our world is gonna get better in our city is if people find and follow Jesus. That's what changes people's hearts. Can we agree to that? And so we can't play it safe. We gotta keep expanding. As long as there's one person in the valley that doesn't know Jesus, we will keep reaching out. And so the two campuses that we're gonna launch this year, the two campuses are CCV Levine and CCV Queen Creek. Now let me just tell you where these are at for just a moment. CCV Levine is right off the new section of the 202. Um, it's on basically the crossroads of 43rd Avenue and Baseline, a part of our city that really needs some vibrant churches, and it kind of helps fill in the map in an area where there there's really is a need. That will launch in the fall of this year. CCV Queen Creek, people in the East Valley have been begging us for years to, to come to this area of town. We have so many people that are attending one of our campuses that are a long ways away. We're so excited to come there. The crossroads of this campus will be Ocotillo and Rittenhouse. And the uniqueness of this campus is that this campus is going to launch eight weeks from now. Eight weeks from now, March 14th is when it's gonna launch. And you're thinking, how can you launch a campus that quick? Because we're going portable to start. All right, and I'm so excited about this because Levine's gonna be a ground up location that we're building right now from the ground up. What we're gonna do in Queen Creek is we are going to go portable first while we secure and build a permanent um, location because we can launch faster, get more people engaged and develop relationships there quicker. So that's what we're gonna do. And, uh, but with the uniqueness of that is it's gonna require a whole lot more people to be involved. And so what I want to tell you is, is two things. One is if you live anywhere near these two campuses, I want to challenge you to get involved. We need people to serve in all areas of our church. Also, if you know people in those areas, start inviting them. Share the news. Say, hey, there's a brand new place coming. You might want to drive out to go with them if you don't live near there, just to help them get connected. The other thing I want to tell you, though, is the only reason I'm able to announce that we're launching two campuses this year is because of those of you that faithfully give so generously at CCV. And I just wanna look at you and say thank you. We try to steward every dollar here and use it wisely to help expand and help more people reach Jesus. We're not using it for us, we're using it to expand and help more people. And if you're not giving here today, listen, if you're new, no expectation. I'm just saying for those of you that have been around here, I can think of no better investment 
that you will make than investing in a local church where people's lives are being changed. And so thank you for those of you that are giving. This might be the cue for some of you to say, I, I, I need to be engaged in a church that's really changing my life so I can help change other people's lives. And you need to know there's these two campuses. We have four other campuses we're looking at right now. Okay? And listen, we will move as fast as God provides. So we are so excited in this church uh, to, to announce that. If you want any more information, you can go on our mobile app. There's a couple tiles on there you can click on for more information. You can also go to ccv.church and look at our Queen Creek or Levine campus pages. But right now, I wanna introduce you to our campus pastors and their wives. They're gonna lead these campuses. Can you give it up as we welcome them to the stage right now? So good to see you guys. Uh, let me introduce you, okay? This is Ryan and Patrice Malone. They're gonna lead our Levine campus. Um, they're, they're an amazing couple. Got some fans in the audience, I hear. Ryan has been on our staff for, for about five years now, and simply put, he is one of our best leaders. And his wife, Patrice, is even better supporting him, all right? They have four boys and a little girl on the way. So we're excited for that. It's gonna be really, really fun. So excited for you guys. Let me introduce you to uh, Kurt and Jessica McReynolds. All right, they're gonna lead our Queen Creek campus. Kurt is uh, new on our staff. Um, he's been on staff for a little while. He came to us as an executive from the Boys and Girls Club and is a phenomenal, phenomenal leader. We've been so impressed with him. And his wife, Jessica, is just amazing as I've got to know you. Um, she teaches in the district where our campus is gonna be at. And you guys have been waiting for a long time to have a campus in Queen Creek, right? And your passion is infectious. And I'm telling you, these two couples are gonna go be game changers for Jesus at these two campuses. And what I wanna do right now is I wanna just pray for them. I don't wanna invite you on all of our campus would just stand up if you would because when a church starts taking ground for Jesus please understand Satan wants to attack and he will attack specifically and go after leaders and so we need to be praying for our leaders in this church and I want to pray for these two that God would give you great confidence and great peace as we go out and reach this valley for Jesus can we do that let's pray together Father, thank you for these two couples. I thank you for Ryan and Patrice and their faithfulness. I pray that you protect their marriage, their kids, and give them great confidence knowing that you prepared them for this. I thank you for Kurt and Jessica. Um, it's been so fun to see their passion and just their desire to reach more people for Jesus in the Queen Creek area. And I pray that you protect their marriage. Would you bless their leadership and would you bring uh, just a fresh wind of people finding Jesus in that area God, we thank you for what you're doing in our church. We give you the glory and we ask that you continue to inspire us to reach more people. In Jesus' name, amen. Can we thank these, these two one more time? Thank you guys so much. You can go and have a seat. We have a lot of exciting things coming up at CCV. You're gonna hear a few more things at the end of the service, but I wanna let you know at the end of this month, January 30th and 31st, that weekend, we have Tim Tebow and his wife, Demi, coming to CCV. It's gonna be a really exciting weekend. If you've never heard Tim speak before, man, strap on your seatbelt because he is passionate and we are excited to have him here. Very easy weekend to invite a friend with you. But this weekend, we're continuing our series on relationships. And if you're like me, you need this series. You know, 2020 was a, maybe a tough, maybe the more accurate word is a brutal year on your relationships, whether it's a friendship or a marriage or some family relationships. And so what we're doing in this series is we're just taking one thing that Jesus said 
would transform our relationships because he's the, the greatest relationship expert that's ever existed. And we're just saying, how can we take that one thing to transform our relationships this year to make them better? So week one, if you were here, we talked about being more present because many of us have been so distracted in the midst of a crazy year. Be more present in our relationships. And Mark gave a great challenge that weekend. Last weekend, we talked about being less critical. And I was so surprised. So many of you reached out and just said, I struggle like you because I just shared my struggle with that last weekend. This weekend, though, I want to talk to you about something that's equally as important. As important. And the reason why is because if you don't do this one thing we're going to talk about this weekend, you can't do the other two. So the thing about relationships we'll talk about this week, and I hope you're taking notes here today, is this. Being less selfish and more selfless. Now, the, the words almost look the same, <laughs> but they are just light years apart. And I, and I, for one, and I'm sure you're this way too, aren't you just glad that we're living in a world that's getting a whole lot more selfless? Why are you laughing? You know, because, because you know what we all feel. And that is that we literally are living in a world that is becoming more and more selfish, self-centered, self-gratifying and filled with self-promotion. In fact, just for fun this week, I kind of typed into Google the word self-promotion. I was curious what would come up, and I was just really surprised. Let me tell you some of the top three hits I saw when I just typed in self-promotion. The first one was from entrepreneur.com, and there's an article that said, five tips for practicing self-promotion without being a totally annoying. Second article that came up was from Forbes, really famous organization. They said, here's 40 ways to self-promote without being a jerk. <laughs> I thought that was really good. Last one, I saw a video from a, a, an executive coach, and she had this whole video on how you can do self-promotion while still respecting yourself. And I thought this was so interesting because even the experts, even the articles we're writing about being about yourself, about living a life that's really all about you. You know what the conclusion is? If you live a life that is really about you, you become annoying, a jerk, and not only do you lose respect from everyone else around you, you actually lose respect from yourself. And that's why it's so important that we're gonna, what we're gonna talk about today in fact, Jesus has so much to say on this topic. If you read scripture on this topic, here's what I would conclude. It's impossible to be a fully devoted follower of Jesus and live a self-absorbed life. Because Jesus said too much about this. Let me tell you uh, just a couple verses. In Matthew chapter 16, verse 11, Jesus said to his disciples, that is us, he said this, whoever wants to be my disciple... You want to follow me? You have to deny yourself. They must deny themselves and take up their cross and follow me. Did you know this is the most quoted saying of Jesus? Because you cannot follow Jesus and not learn to become more selfless. Just a few chapters later in Matthew chapter 23, Jesus' disciples are arguing over who's the goat. Who's the greatest of all time? And Jesus says, you want to talk about goats? Let me tell you what it means to be great. And I would love for us to just read this verse out loud to kind of let it sink in. Jesus said this, the greatest among you must be what? Say it out loud, a servant. So the big idea that I want us to just talk about today is this. Behind every 
every successful relationship are two people trying to put the other first. And yet the flip side is also true. And this is where some of you are. Behind almost every struggling relationship are two people trying to put themselves first. And before you push back and say, ooh, I don't really struggle with this that much, but I'm sure glad they're here. Are they taking notes? Are you, did you hear what he just said? I mean, isn't that even a form of selfishness that the first thing we think about is somebody else, not us? But in case you don't think you struggle with a little bit of selfishness inside of you, I think we all do, and I can prove it. I'm gonna give you a test. There's one test to prove it. You ready for the test? The last time you took a family photo or a photo with a bunch of people in it and you looked at the photo, who was the first person you looked at? (laughs) That would be you. (laughs) This happened to Jamie and I. Two weeks ago, we took some new family photos. And you know when you take new family photos, you're kind of swiping through to see which one's the best one, which one you're gonna pick. And we're laying in bed and we're swiping through the photos right next to each other. And simultaneously, we flipped to a photo and I said, I love that one. And at the exact same time, she said, I hate that one. How could we love and hate a photo? Because all we were doing is looking at ourselves. Is that not a picture of what we do so much in our relationships? So we have to learn to be reminded to take our eyes off ourselves and live more selflessly. And the verse we're gonna look at today, I think there could maybe not be another verse in scripture that is more convicting and helpful and inspiring to do just this. In fact, it comes from Philippians chapter two, if you wanna turn there. This is actually written by the apostle Paul, but he's inspired writing this. He's only writing this by looking at the life of Jesus. And I love how he starts. He kind of baits us in a little bit when he's talking about living a selfless life. And I love how the message translation puts it. He starts off this way. Philippians chapter two, verse one, Paul says, if you've gotten anything, anything at all out of following Christ, to which most of us are like, anything? I mean, following Jesus has changed my life, Paul. He's like, okay, good, 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 good. Let's go on. If his love has made any difference in your life, and we're thinking like, I just told you he changed my life. I mean, of course, his love compels me to want to be better in life. Paul's like, awesome. Okay, what about this? If being in a community of the Spirit means anything to you, what's he talking about? The community of the Spirit, he's talking about the local church. Have you been a part of a body of believers where, man, it's really made a difference? For example, if I just asked you, and I'm being serious, don't, don't raise your hand if this isn't true, but if you've been at CCV for a little while and CCV has helped change your life, Would you just raise your hand right now? Just across all of our camps, just raise your hand. Paul's like, awesome, awesome. And then he kind of has a little fun with us. He goes, you know, if Jesus has changed anything about your life, if his love has made a difference, if you've been a part of a body of believers and it's made a difference in your life, and then he goes on forth, he says, and if you have a heart. Well, Paul, of course I have a heart. I mean, sometimes my spouse tells me I don't have one, but I promise you I have a heart and I care. Paul's like, awesome. If those four things are true in your life, I want you to do me a favor. What what, what favor do you want me to do, Paul? Paul says, I want you to do a favor based on the life of Jesus. I want you to begin to love each other in a way that's so deep and so much, so powerful that, that it changes everything. And you're like, Paul, that's what I want in my relationships. Like, that's what I need in my relationships. How could I have a life-changing kind of love in my life? 
with a friend, a family member, a spouse, the person I'm dating, what would I do? Paul says, you really wanna know? Yeah. What he says next, my opinion, are two of the most convicting verses in all of scripture. Every single time I read my Bible and I come to this passage of scripture, I think, it just cuts me to my core. And yet, if you wanna transform your relationships, if you were gonna memorize one set of verses this year in 2021, I would challenge you to memorize these two verses. Philippians chapter two, verse three and four, Paul says this. Do, what's the word? Say it again, what's the word? Do nothing. Do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit. My problem with this verse is the word nothing. I wish Paul would have said, don't do a lot of things. Or just knock it off every once in a while. But he doesn't. He uses the word nothing. Do nothing, nothing. That means nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit. But what? Well, what's the alternative? Paul, he says, rather, in humility, I want you to value others above yourselves. Looking not only to your own interests, but each of you to the interests of others. And what Paul does in just these two verses is he gives us two attitudes that we have to eliminate from our life to have great relationships and one attitude to cultivate that transforms everything. And so what I wanna do for the next 20 minutes or so is I just wanna break this verse down so that not only we can know it, but it can go from our mind to our heart to our hands and we can apply this to our life. You ready? The two things Paul says to eliminate are this, selfish ambition and vain conceit. Selfish ambition first is really this idea of competition. It's rivalry. What are we gonna do? We begin competing in our relationships. And the question, the critical question all of us have to ask is this, am I spending too much energy trying to be right in my relationships? Can I tease this out a little bit? You ever ever been around a couple and you're sitting there and they start telling you a story and as one of the people at the table, the couple's telling the story, the other couple, the other person interrupts them and says, no, 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 honey, you got it all wrong. We, remember, we went to that city, you said we turned left, we actually turned right. Or no, no, honey, it wasn't on a Monday, it was on a Tuesday that happened and they start arguing right in front of you over an inconsequential, doesn't even matter, like, issue. No, honey, it wasn't a gray shirt, it was blue. I've told you that before. And they start arguing. Has this happened to anyone, anyone ever before? And so what are you thinking? You're listening to the story, they're arguing over something so dumb. And you're thinking this, who cares? I didn't even ask to hear this story. And here you are arguing in front of me and just finished the story, it doesn't matter. What are they doing? What are they doing? You're competing to see who's right over something that doesn't even matter. It's selfish ambition. What Paul's gonna tell us is there is no room to compete like that in a relationship. I mean, think about it. Don't relationships already have enough competition from the outside that you're gonna compete with each other over something dumb? I mean, just think about those of you that are parents. I mean, is parenting not hard in the 21st century? And all of a sudden, you know, if, if you let those little bloodsuckers, I mean, your kids, you know, see you competing with each other, not only will it break your kids' hearts, 
but your kids are actually smart enough to start playing that competition against you and they'll destroy you. Kids are that smart. You don't have any room for selfish ambition, this idea of rivalry or competition. You are for each other. Why do we have to strip selfish ambition out? Because selfish ambition leads to what? The next thing that Paul tells us, vain conceit. What's the word vain conceit mean? It it literally just means empty glory or empty self-promotion. Why is this kind of promoting myself, wanting myself to be right, why is it always empty? Because when you try to prop yourself up, you think it makes you look good, it makes you look low. It puts you down. You've ever been around a couple and you can't believe the way he demeans and talks down to their spouse, their kids, their friends? That does not build you up. It makes you empty in the eyes of everybody. So what do we have to ask ourselves? The critical question we have to ask ourselves is, do I come across in my relationships as needing to be self-important or self-promoting? And this is tricky because we are actually really good at secretly hiding our self-promotion. You know, someone will be telling us a story and we're not even listening because we're, we're, we're thinking about what we're gonna tell them back. Or we, you know, we post things on social media that, that truly, truly are only designed to either make ourselves look something that really isn't true. And sometimes with a spouse or someone we love, we knock them down even in public. I was studying this verse this week and I, sometimes I just study scripture and I almost fall out of my chair because it's so rich and deep. I was studying the word selfish ambition in how it was originally used in that Greek language in the time of Jesus Do you know what it literally can be translated as? This is the translation, seeking to win followers. That's a quote. And I almost fell out of my chair. I thought, when Paul wrote this, could he have seen 2,000 years ahead? Could he have seen what we're doing in our culture to self-promote ourselves, to just make ourselves look bigger? Did he know? Paul's telling us self-promotion will always leave you empty. It's like biting into what looks like a luscious apple, and when you bite in, it's rotten and empty inside. That's what self-promotion does in a relationship. Such vain, vain actions. And again, we're thinking, well, Paul, what's the alternative, and what should I do instead? And remember, he tells us, he says, if there's two things we gotta eliminate, there's one attitude that we need to cultivate. What's what's, What's the alternative? Rather, in, say this word out loud, Humility. We are to develop and cultivate a spirit of humility, valuing others above ourselves. Now, humility is one of the most misunderstood topics in our culture today. And we talked about this two years. If you were here during our Achilles series, we talked about humility because so many of us think, well, if I'm going to be humble, that means I have to put myself down. Well, I'm stupid. I'm dumb. Oh, I'm not no value. That's not humility, that's false humility. What is true humility? I gave you this definition two years ago. I want to remind you, it comes from C.S. Lewis. He said, what is humility? Humility is not thinking less of yourself. Humility is thinking about yourself less. Let me say that again. Humility is not you devaluing yourself. Humility is just you saying, I'm not going to think less of myself. I'm just going to think of myself less so I can spend more time thinking about others. 
That's the true definition of humility to which we're thinking, well, if I do that, who's gonna think of me? Like if I think of others, Paul's not saying you never think about yourself. Read the verse again, watch this. Let each of you look not only to your own interests, but also to the interests of others. Paul's not saying don't ever like think about what you might need in relationship. He's just saying there's an order of operation. You remember about mathematics? There was an order of operation they taught you that if you don't do it in this order, you'll always get the equation wrong. Paul's saying the order of operation in relationships is when you're gonna start thinking about your needs and someone else's needs, you always think about the other person first. You're gonna value them above yourself. And I love this term, value. You're gonna value others. What does that mean? Let me tell you what the word value others actually means. To value others is literally to view the other person as if they are the most important person in the room. And I love this because all of us can relate. All of us have been in a room where we were not the most important person in the room. All of us. And can I tell you where all of us have been where that's true? A wedding. Now I hate to break this to some of you, but when you went to that wedding, unless you were the bride or groom, you were not the most important person in the room. And one of the saddest things you will ever witness in life is going to a wedding and watching someone at the wedding, usually a family member, want to be the most important person in the room. You ever seen this? You ever been at a reception and you know, one of the family members grabs the microphone and they're, they're supposed to be saying something nice about the couple and they begin to just talk about themselves? And what are you doing? Everyone's rolling their eyes. Everyone's like, what in the world's going on? Honey, go tell the DJ to cut the mic. This is ridiculous, you know? Because everyone knows you are not designed to be the most important person in that room. Someone else is more important. And here's what Paul's saying. Just let this sink into your heart. Every single day in your relationships, that's how I want you to live. As if the other person is the most important person in the room. And this is where we start to push back. We start to have all these excuses that we roll through our mind about why we shouldn't have to do that with someone in our life. And I think it's okay to, to wrestle with it. I think it's okay to, to put some of those excuses to the forefront of your mind. Now, Paul's gonna flush all of our excuses in just a minute, but I think you should keep those excuses rolling in your mind for just a minute. And most of our excuses normally center around something like this. I would do that if what? If what? If they deserved it. I would start valuing them when they start valuing me. And I would wanna make them more important if they would start making me most important. But until they start valuing me, I will not, I will not make them more important. I'm not gonna do that. To which Paul says, 
That's the point. The point is, if you already thought they deserved it, you'd already be doing it. The point is, I'm telling you to value them above you because they don't deserve it. To which we wanna push back even further. We wanna say, well now I got all sorts of questions. How far should I take this? Like how, what should I do? And this is where Paul shatters all of our excuses. He says, you wanna know how far you should take it? (laughs) Philippians chapter two, verse five. Paul tells us our motivation. In your relationships with one another, you wanna know how far you should take it? I want you to have the exact same mindset because this really is a mindset shift as Christ Jesus. Sorry, Paul, remind me again, what what kind of mindset does that even mean? I'm a little confused here because I got some excuses still. Well, let me tell you the mindset of Christ Jesus, who being in very nature God, this is so rich. What's Paul saying? Every single room Jesus walked into, he was the most important person. He was God. I mean, he was very nature God. He was God in the flesh. So of course, every room, every wedding, every event, it doesn't matter who was there, Jesus was always most important. Well, what did Jesus do with that? Paul reminds us. But he didn't consider equality with God something to be used for his own advantage. He never, ever walked in an environment, and even though he was the most important person, he never used it to his own advantage. He never acted like the most important person. What did he do? Rather, here's the word, rather he made himself nothing. That means to empty. He completely emptied himself. Jesus made himself nothing in these rooms by taking on the very nature of the word again, a servant, being made in human likeness and being found in appearance as a man, he what? He humbled himself. He lived every single day as if the people around him were more important than he was, even though he was obviously the most important person in the room. So it starts to get up in our business a little bit, right? And we start to think, well, okay, fine, fine. When they're telling a story and they get an inconsequential, stupid, like, you know, stupid fact wrong, maybe I won't correct them. Because sure, I mean, you know, they said it was gray and it was actually blue. And I whipped out my phone after five minutes. I said, see, it was a blue shirt. And I thought to myself, how lucky are they to have me in their lives? You know, (laughs) you know, maybe I shouldn't do that. But how far do I have to take this? Now listen, I'm not talking about physical abuse, okay? If you're in a physically abusive relationship, you run. And you let one of us know, we will help you. But if you're not in an abusive relationship, physically abusive, how far should you take this? I mean, she has interests that I have no interest in. She wants to build a garden. I don't even want to build a garden. I don't even like vegetables. Why should I have to do that? She wants to watch a show or do this or maybe do a project around the house. How important do I have to make her? Ladies, how important does he have to be in your life? Do I really have to be intimate when he hasn't been good lately? How far do I have to take this idea And this is where Paul just drops the mic on all of us. 
Let me remind you, Paul says, of how far Jesus took it. He humbled himself by becoming obedient to death, even death on a cross. Jesus took his humility and making us more important when we didn't even deserve it to a point where he died for us. And if you're not a Christian here today and you're wrestling with this whole idea of like valuing others above you, please understand Jesus never asks you to do something that he won't do himself. But for all of us that are Christians and for those of you that were, had a bunch of excuses, like, well, I got some excuses I want Jesus to answer on this whole thing. When you hear that Jesus died, does that not make you wanna go, uh, Jesus is like, sorry, did you have an excuse? Did you have your hand up? Uh, no, I was actually just scratching my back, Jesus. I was just kind of like doing this. He's like, oh, okay. Because he just takes all our excuses away. Do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit. But in humility, value others above yourself. I don't know if you're like me, but I... Some, some, I'm like writing this message and I wrote the one last week and somehow I'm like, I assign the topics. How did I assign these two topics to me? Because I'm wrestling. I'm looking at my marriage. I'm looking at some friendships. I'm looking at my kids and saying how often as a dad am I so like pushing back of like, well, I don't want to do that activity with them because I don't, I don't really value it. It's a waste of my time. I know they want to do it. You might be single here and you have friendships that are suffering and you don't want to bend. I know there's marriages because throughout this whole series we've heard it. There's marriages that are hurting. And the issue is what? The issue is what? The issue is that behind every successful relationship are two people working their tails off to try to put the other person first. And behind every, almost every, listen, almost every struggling relationship here today is because there's two people that are working so hard to put themselves first. And the question is, who's gonna bend first? Let me tell you who the bigger person is. The bigger person is the person that bends first to start putting the other person first before they ever deserve it. That's the way of Jesus. And do you really have another option? I mean, think about that relationship that's struggling. Do you think you devaluing them and promoting yourself and putting them down and continuing not to bend until they deserve it, do you think that's gonna motivate them finally to be the person that you want them to be? What motivated you to follow Jesus? Did he wait for you to get your act in order? <laughs> Not even close. He went to a cross to die for you when you didn't deserve it one bit. And this is our model. This is our model. This is our model. So I have a challenge for you today. And the challenge is simply hard. It's simple but it's unbelievably hard to carry out on a regular basis. So I want us to get in the rhythm, the mindset of doing it. And here's a challenge here today. I want you to ask and answer this question. What's one selfless thing I can do for someone I love 
this week. Like, it's got to be selfless, okay? It could, it could mean that, you know, you need to schedule a babysitter and, and completely surprise them one night and take them out for an awesome date night, even though things have been really, really bad. And you just love on them like crazy. And men, if you're the one scheduling it, you expect nothing in return at the end of the night. <laughs> ladies are like, yes. <laughs> Let me talk to you ladies for a moment before you get too excited. What if sometime this, this, this week, you initiated, even though he didn't even deserve it, and you just wanted to love, because you know how important that is to your spouse? I mean, is it that big of a deal? I mean, it normally only takes five or 10 minutes, right? I mean, that's like... <laughs> We act like sometimes the things we're gonna do that are selfless, we act like they're such a big deal. Actually, what's a big deal is our mindset to start practicing them. What about in a friendship? What if, what if they haven't been that good for you, but what, what if you started just doing something? What if you brought them their favorite drink this week? What if you brought them, bought them a gift, something that they've been looking at or, or wanting? What if at work, you know, you, you have an employee that, you just completely give a day off. I mean, I don't know how you wanna be selfless this week, but what are you gonna do that's actually, actually selfless? And if you would begin to do this on a regular basis, I promise you, you'd see your relationships transform. It may not be immediate, but over time, the only way to see change is to love selflessly, selflessly the way Jesus loves us. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for just a convicting verse. Wow. I mean, I, I read this verse sometimes and it just cuts me to my core because you said do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit, but in humility value others. Just value them more than us. And I, I pray in my own marriage, my own relationships, God, that I, I would continue to live this way because I know I have some work to do. And I, uh, my guess is there's some, some people here today that know this is a topic that they need to start living out. And the only way to start doing it is to start practicing it. So this week, help us to be challenged, to just start doing this. And as we, as we see fruit, if we don't see fruit, help us to continue to do this in a selfless way. We wanna see relationships transformed. And I pray that you would just move powerfully as all of us try to live, live less selfish and more selfless. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Amen. Hey, there's some really exciting things coming up, and right now I want you to hear from your campus just what those are. Can you welcome them to the stage right now?